Hello, welcome to Do It Today. So I think you're going to really like hearing from my friend Laura Belgray. She talks about her email method called eFab, battling procrastination, her upcoming essay collection, and guarding blank space on her calendar. But first she starts by totally surprising me with an exchange I did not remember. Oh my gosh, it's Laura Belgray. I feel like this is a long time coming. I just looked up when we first quote unquote met and it was four years ago when I was editing at Money Magazine and you had these amazing pitches and I was like, who is this woman? She's so fun to edit. We had a great time publishing some really fun stories on the site. Uh, We've never met in person or even talked on the phone. So I feel like this is such a treat. I just wanted to call you up and ask what you're working on. What's going on today? First of all, it is a treat and it is such a long time coming. In fact, back in the day when we were working together, I was like, should we meet for coffee or something? Which I never do. But, and you were like, maybe could we not? Which No. Yes. But, but it wasn't in a rude way. It was just in a way of like, I can't handle this networking thing. Or like, I just don't want to, I just don't want to go out for coffee with anybody. And it was so honest and I loved it. It wasn't like, I don't like you or want to meet you. I have to find that email because I have no recollection of that, but I have followed you avidly and been your fan ever since. So, you know, sometimes coffee just isn't isn't in the cards and that's why we make a podcast four years later to get to talk to someone. All right. So you asked what I'm working on. Right now, I am on pause from my book, which comes out in June 2023, because it's with the copy editor at Hachette. And apparently it will come back to me on like September 1st, and then I have to hit it hard and go through all the changes. And it's my last chance to change anything. No pressure. This morning, I posted an article for Next Advisor with, I guess, one of your successors, I'm in the Next Advisor system because of you and Adam, the editor-in-chief. You guys brought me in. And so I've just done a series of four pieces for them. And so what's this one about? This one is called 11 Reasons I Wasn't Meant to Have a Business, But Did It Anyway. That's something you talk about a lot, Uh that you're not a traditional entrepreneur or that was never the thing that you were aiming for. But how do you describe what you do now to people? (laughs) It's funny you should ask because I was just with a couple of people yesterday. My husband was sitting with them. We were guests at their house and he called me over. He said, Laura, explain to them what you do. And I was like, you still can't describe it, can you? He said, nope. So it's hard to describe. I don't blame him. As I'm known as a copywriter, I made my name in copywriting for TV. I wrote promos for TV, which if people don't know what those are. There are the spots that tell you to tune in. An example of a promo, a classic promo is, it's not TV, it's HBO. That's a tagline that used to come up on the screen. So I did that for many years and then segued into copywriting for entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and people in the online business space. So I helped them with their website copy and their email copy. And then I started focusing on email and became an email expert and really most enjoyed writing my own emails more than doing client work. So what I segued into doing was creating courses that teach people how to write the words to express the value in their business and say what they do on their own. And I use my emails to market those. That reminds me, one of my favorite stories you wrote for money was about how to write emails that people actually want to read, because that's what you do. And that's what you teach people to do. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little about the method of eFab. 
Okay, so EFEB stands for email from a bestie. And the whole idea here is we all go through our inbox the way we would go through mail back when we looked at our mail, which is over the trash can going like junk mail, junk mail, junk mail, junk mail. Ooh, something for me. Junk mail, junk mail, something for me. The idea in someone's inbox is to look like you are something for them, something from a friend to a friend. So you want, first of all, the subject line to reflect that. A lot of people and companies and newsletters write their subject lines in title case, meaning it's really formal and the first letter of each word is capitalized. And that screams newsletter, screams business email. It does not say email from a friend. It does not say EFAB. So in your subject line, you want to be intriguing and playful and you know curiosity provoking. And you also want to be informal. I recommend either sentence case, just capitalizing the first letter of that first word, or no no capitals at all. Like, how would you write this to a friend? You can mimic the style of a text, which like in texts, we don't even use punctuation, especially if you're younger. If you're older, you've probably been yelled at not to use punctuation because it looks rude. So really loose and informal in the subject line. And then in the body of the email, you also want to be informal, casual, friendly, personable, and think, am I writing this like I would to a friend? And that often means writing like you talk, not writing like you were taught to in high school or college or academia or your law firm. And you want to tell personal stories, especially if if you're doing email marketing and writing it from your business and you are the face of your business. You have a lot of license to talk about yourself and tell personal stories in the first person. We are wired for story. We want stories. It doesn't have to have a beginning, middle, and end. It does not have to be an epic story. It can be what somebody said when they you know, tried to cut you in line at the deli. Stories are what grab us and make us want to open your email. Those are a few tips. You mentioned your memoir that you are writing or sort of in the finishing stages of. How was your writing process different for that book? I feel like last summer was a big moment for you. Oh, my God. Last summer was torture. So my book is called Tough Titties. I don't think I mentioned that. I think I did mention it's coming out in 2023, June 13th, 2023. That deadline has moved. It was originally supposed to be this fall, but last summer when I was supposed to be in the thick of writing it and just you know, my fingers flying across the keyboard, just as you want to as an author. Um, I was just stuck in a hellhole of my own making, just procrastinating and torturing myself because my chapters, my writing was not coming out the way it does in an email. Like, why can't I channel that me who dashes off an email so easily and tells the story so breezily and just gets to a point. Why can't I channel that in the book? It just felt so hard, I think, because it is different. It's not an email. This is um, technically, if not a memoir, it's a collection of personal essays, or you could call it a memoir in essays. But either way, in this form, each chapter, each essay has to have some sort of an arc. And in a memoir, the whole thing has to have an arc. And this actually had the burden of both. Each one, like each story had to have an arc or some meaning to it. And then the whole thing has to arc. And so that felt like a lot of pressure. Suddenly the stories that I thought were awesome and made up a perfect book, like these are stories I always wanted to tell. And they originally, they did pour out of me when it came to rewriting them and shaping them per my editor's feedback 
that became so much harder because I had to ask myself, why am I writing this story? What is the point? What is this arcing to? I had to answer all those questions in each chapter when I thought that these stories would just be entertaining and satisfying on their own. But that's never the case. You need a point. You need to find out as a reader, where is this going? What's the point of this? And that's true in emails too. It's just so much less pressure. It doesn't live out there forever on a shelf. How did you push past that? I mean, did you have people reading the book with you? Was it just going through the editor notes? Combination of things. For one, I hired somebody who had worked in publishing and writes personal essays online and stuff. And she's somebody that my agents recommended to help me. And she read through the material and was able to very objectively, like she had no attachment to any of my work, very objectively said to me, this seems to fit. Um, Agree with the editor here. This one should be cut. Here's the theme that I see emerging from all these chapters. And just to have somebody with fresh eyes say, here's the theme that I see emerging and here's how these all fit really helped me dive back into them. And I had other help too. My friend and editor for hire, Suzanne Kingsbury, was absolutely instrumental. Like I couldn't have done this without her. She worked with me on a sentence level, like chapter by chapter, okay, what are you trying to say here? Okay, we could cut this here. My friend Terry also helped a lot, Terry Trespicio, A, by reading it and pointing out what was working, but also B, just by reminding me over and over again when I was kind of crying about all the things I wanted to fit in it and I didn't know how, should say, okay, you are going on a trip and packing a suitcase and bringing a certain number of items in that suitcase. You are not packing everything that you own in this one suitcase for this one trip. There will be other trips. There will be other books and all those things that you want to fit in here. Some of them will go in the next book on the other trips. So she had to keep reminding me of that because that was a sticking point for me. It's like, I want to include everything. I want to tell every story I've ever told. It was first book syndrome. So that helped too. I've never heard that phrase, first book syndrome. I made it up. Of course you did. One of your habits, which I've watched from afar in fascination, is the 750 words thing that you do. Do do you still do that every morning? How did that inform you writing your book? I do. Okay, so 750words.com is a site that's basically an online journaling platform, and it keeps track of your days. When you complete your 750 words, your count word count turns green at the bottom and says, congrats, you finished your 750 words. And I started making a practice of that probably five years ago now. I found it life-changing just to have a writing habit. I always wanted to feel about writing the way I would about working out or just taking a shower. Like, oh, I feel gross. I haven't written anything today. And creating that habit really made me feel like a productive writer who could sit down and write no matter what, whether I had anything to say or not. And usually I don't. Usually it's the same thoughts as yesterday. It's just a ramble, but it clears my mind, like just of the garbage floating around in there. So I start my morning with that. And I feel like at least I've written something. Most of my mornings when I wrote in it last year, I was talking about how depressed and upset I was and frustrated with myself. And why can't I write this book? I mean, it's the same thing over and over every day. But it helped in that sense. Like, at least I wrote something. At least I kept up this habit. 
that always makes me feel a little bit like a disciplined writer, even if I'm falling off with everything else that I'm supposed to be writing. Do you find yourself to be routine oriented in other parts of your life? Yes. Much to the annoyance and frustration of my husband, who's like, you're so rigid, like you can't take your walk later because I have certain things that I do at certain times of the day. When I wake up, I insist on going for a walk first thing. I'm one of those step counting people. I'm always counting my steps every day. So I like to get a lot of my steps out of the way in the morning. And I also just feel better about my day if I've taken my walk. So I take my walk and then I make my iced coffee or I buy my iced coffee depending where I am. I'm either in New York City or Sag Harbor. And when I'm in the city, I buy it at a place called O Cafe. When I'm in Sag Harbor, I make it myself because the coffee place is way too crowded. Even my coffee routines, like I have to have this brand, Grady's, and I have to have it out of this cup. And then I sit down and do my 750 words. So yeah, I have routines all the time, especially the morning. What's your step count goal for the day? (laughs) I like to walk a minimum of six miles a day. And like when it's beautiful out, I'd say eight, maybe even nine on rare occasion. That's not my average. And that's just neuroses of mine. Like I'm not bragging about that. Like everybody should be walking six miles a day. It's just what makes me feel good. I will listen to podcasts. I'll listen to audiobooks, And I love walking. I'm not doing, like I'm not torturing myself. I used to run and I hated going for a run. I hated gearing up to go for a run walking. I'm always wanting to go out the door and walk some more. So like you said, you're waiting to get these copy edits back from Mm -hmm. the copy editor at your publisher. How are you feeling before this big moment where you're like, these are all the edits I get to make? I love any period of time where my hands are tied, where there's nothing for me to be doing. It's my favorite. You've written about this too, right? Like having an empty day or empty Mm -hmm. afternoon on your schedule is just pure heaven to you. It is the best. Sometimes I think like, well, doesn't everybody feel that way? But I know people who feel really antsy or guilty if they look at their day, at their calendar, and they don't have enough schedule. If it's not scheduled with tasks or appointments back to back, and that blows my mind because it is the last thing I'd ever want. It would make me cry to wake up and see that on my calendar. I love blank space on my calendar more than anything. I love being able to be in flow, work on whatever I'm working on and not have to look up at the clock and see like, okay, I better get ready for my appointment, my Zoom, my whatever. Do you think this is related to you being a rebel in some ways? (laughs) Yeah. So you probably know this. I claim to be a lazy person. I consider myself an unapologetic lazy person. And my friend Susie Moore, who you know, has said to me, you're not lazy. She's British. You're not lazy. You're a rebel. I accept that. I I would never consider myself a rebel really because I don't have tattoos and I don't have a cool leather jacket. I'm a rebel in a sense of I don't like being told what to do and I buck a little against authority. I'm always the last person to buckle my seatbelt on a plane. Sometimes I'll actually hide it under my blanket until the Laura. flight attendant. I know. I don't know why I'm such a brat, but I just don't like being told to like put away my phone. We don't like being told what to do even by ourselves. I've heard that line a lot, but I think a lot of people do like being told what to do and I don't. 
So what does the rest of the day look like for you then? This summer, I've done mostly like try to keep it free of bookings for the most part so that my day is just kind of loose and unstructured. And I have plenty of things to work on. As you mentioned, I've got emails to get out promoting my mastermind right now, which is called Shrimp Club. Again, been working on these articles for Next Advisor. There's always something that I should or could be working on, but I like to do it in my way, in my order. And I'm not very good at putting it on the calendar. Like from 10 to 11, I'm going to work on this. And then from one to three, I'll be working on this. I'm not good at that. The rest of my day looks pretty loose. And we're probably going over to a friend's to swim because it's kind of blazing hot out. And then we'll have an early dinner there. They have guests who are very good cooks and are making lobster ravioli, apparently. So that's what my day looks like. Work, walk, go swim, have dinner. What a perfect summer day. Oh, my gosh. And it sounds like it sounds like a lot different than last summer at this time when I saw a couple emails from you in like July of 2021. And it was just a different vibe. And so I think that it's nice to remember there's light at the end of the tunnel. Now you're waiting to get final edits back on the book and it's all happening and you made it through that period. And I really admired the fact that you could talk about like, yes, I'm procrastinating and it's a frustrating period and you got through it anyway. So I was inspired. Thank you for saying that. And I had seen probably around the same time, you know, Samantha Irby. Yeah. Author. I love her stuff. Like have read all her books and she's kind of my dream blurb author and one of my comps in my proposal. And she's just great and very prolific. And I saw her post on Instagram that she had a book deadline. She was supposed to be writing her next book. And she's like, here's how I'm procrastinating. And it was quite a few posts, at least three times that she said she was putting it off and torturing herself. Um, and she did it in a funny way, but it made me feel so relieved. I know that talking about it on my end would make somebody else feel that relieved too, even though I don't have four or five books out already. And so they're not saying like, oh, even author Laura Belgray procrastinates with her book. Still, they see me as somebody prolific. My audience does. So I knew it would give them relief, which is, I think, the kindest, most generous thing that you can give people. Definitely. And it, it reminds me of even just your method for writing emails. This is a sort of a personal one-on-one -on -one interaction. You can be honest. You can share stories and messages. You don't have to present this mythical idea of who you are and all of the amazing things that you're doing. Like you're just, I don't know, you're just a real person. Um, we're all we're all just people working on our stuff. Well, I'm going to let you get to the walks and the writing <laughs> and whatever form that's going to take for you, which is so great. And and thank you so much for taking the time to chat about your day. Thank you so much for chatting about it with me, Tara. It's such a pleasure. It's so nice to finally talk to you. I know. Let's go get that coffee now. Let's get it. I'm good to go. 